Hello, and welcome to Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray. As the founder of the Bra Network, the Business Relationship Alliance, I have met some of the most inspiring women working as entrepreneurs, freelancers, founders, executives, and creatives, and I want to share their stories with you. So let's get carried away. Ooh, we're getting carried away about my favorite topic. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Let's talk about money, ladies, and women making more wealth for themselves. Joining me today is Gul Khan, and she's going to take us through three steps to cash flow mastery. Get your pen and paper out, get your mindset right, because she is going to be dropping some major nuggets of wisdom on how we are going to be making more money today. It doesn't matter if you're making millions or pennies, you're about to make more money. Let's get carried away. Uh, Joining me today is an author, international speaker, podcaster, barrister, attorney, intuitive life coach, an EFT expert, energy healer, a money mindset expert, and in her free time, she's a mom or mum, Gul Khan helps entrepreneurs break free from their limiting beliefs about money so that they can live a life of unlimited abundance. Welcome. So glad to have you here. Thank you so much, Carrie. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. And our topic today is three steps to cash flow mastery. But before we get into that, I'm dying to know your journey and how you got here. I'm sure if I talk to 10-year-old Gul, and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? You would not say an international speaker. I want to be an author. I want to be a barrister. I want to be an intuitive life coach. What would she have said at 10? And what brought you here today? Well, if you met the girl at the age of 10, she would have said two things, Bollywood dancer and a doctor. <laughs> two things. I had an obsession with like, Yeah, obviously, right? <laughs> so I, I had my heart set on, set on becoming a doctor at the time. But um, over the over the course of the years, especially actually my maths, because I'm very naturally gifted with maths, my maths tutor is the one who put into my head, why do you want to be a doctor? I'm like, because I want to heal people and whatever else. And he said, go, go to a bloody hospital and figure out what you actually doctors do and then see if we want to do that. And I'm so glad. I'm so grateful to Mr. Borham for that. I still remember his name because he's an awesome, awesome um, And it made me realize I hate free hospitals. I don't <laughs> want to be a doctor. I couldn't possibly be one. I'd see the side of blood. I, I, I turn green and my own side of blood. I'm on the floor fainting. <laughs> I'm out like <laughs> So, doctor was in the hard pass. <laughs> hard pass. I've always been very articulate and I've been very, um, you know, uh, quite confident in my character. And he actually is the one who suggested I go towards law. And I did. I took, I took his, um, you know, took his, I wonder why he didn't suggest going to maths because I did. Do right. Or engineering or, or yeah, something because like I'm, that. I'm, yeah. yeah. I was very, very, um, you know, I was a very strong mathematician. I, you know, I was probably one of the, especially in mechanics, I was one of the only girls in the, in the room full of boys. Hence I was his favorite student. But yeah, <laughs> but I think he saw the, the way I was and he did see a lawyer in me, which actually worked because I went on to become a lawyer and I got, I became very successful. Now, I, um, how long have I got? I'm trying to keep this story as succinct as possible. What led me down to this path? It wasn't intentional. I fell into this role and I, I think the role chose me rather than the way around. And, and yeah. I say, I didn't end up becoming an advocate. And at the moment I'm still being an advocate, but now 
my primary role is to be an advocate for money. So that's how I see myself. I'm an advocate for money. I'm sick and tired, carry of all the people's ideas and notions and feelings towards money. All their negativity is thrown at money. I got divorced because of money. This happened to me because of money. And they blame money for everything. Well, money is it's just mutual energy. It's got nothing to do you know, with it. How you um, perceive it, how you approach money, you're in other people's greed towards money, it's not money's fault. So I really am here to change the global consciousness around, uh, for people around their perceptions, their ideas, and especially their feelings and emotions towards money. So that's the, that way I'm, I'm, still doing a, I'm still being an advocate, still being a lawyer, but now I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate on behalf of money. But well, how did I get here? Um, very, very quickly, if I can do it as quickly as I possibly can. I am a severely dyslexic, something that the fact that I didn't know, I, I've, um, and which in hindsight makes sense because I wasn't able to read until a full sentence, I would say, until the age of 11, 12. And it wasn't something which was abnormal for me. I just, because we moved around so much because of what happened when I was younger and stuff, it was never something that brought up, into my, you know, was brought to my attention or my teacher's attention. No one really bothered, to be honest. Anyway. I went and I became a very, very good student, able student. I was a self-starter, really, you know, that's where the work ethic comes from. And I do work 10 times harder than everybody else around me because that's just the way I, that's the character I developed. And so when I, at the the end of my first year of law degree, my tutor, my actual criminology tutor, she has a daughter who was dyslexic and she saw all the telltale signs in me. So she literally twisted my arm and forced me to go for an assessment. And she even got the university to pay for it. I didn't pay for it. I didn't know. I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. I'm really smart. Right. Not realizing <laughs> dyslexia could be really, really smart too. But I had the notion that average person does it. Oh, you're dyslexic. You must be really dumb. It doesn't work that yeah. way. So I went along for this assessment and, you know, he did my assessments. And if I give you some numbers, obviously these are standard size and whatever numbers there are, the average um, number that, you know, for people who, the average person, not a first year law student, so people who read like tons and tons of material, the average Joe bloggers on the street has an, um, I don't know the exact number, but the, the terminology, but it was 105, I think it's IQ, whatever number it is, I can't remember the exact yeah. the terminology for this number, but it was basically 105 was the, the score for the average Joe blogs on the road, not a university graduate, not somebody who's actually doing law, especially because we read so much reading. My score, Kerry, was hundred. It was ninety-five. I was ten points below the average person off the road. Wow. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's that's with me studying and putting all the bridges and working through this. And I explained why I was struggling with the reading material that they had, especially the volume sure. of the reading material we had. And so, but there's other, there, obviously there are other parts of the score which were off the charts. So that's explained why I was super smart, but I'm just not smart in reading, and I had difficulty in issues there. So when you went through the assessment, yeah, she looked at me and said, "How do you have your grades?" I'm like through hard work that's all I knew I didn't know yeah. better, you know so um, anyway but that put me down um, a path that you know about personal development I thought okay I come from but my background quickly is that I'm, I, I was in a my mother but my mother brought me up I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child from a single parent family my, mm-hmm. it was a single mother a woman typical example you know struggling not having any any whatever growing up in a really rundown area of down I don't know what you call it downtown but it's called it's council estate over here really poor area of the you know of the of London you know it's east city east London city kind of area and my brother was a was a delinquent he was you know he went into juvie whatever so I had everything working against me yet I was a child here self-starter and I was doing really well and at the university even though I had these issues I was still the top student like Wow. Nobody could beat me in 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 um, you know in our debates in our music competitions. I was the most confident one ever. Everyone knew me because I was so loud and I'm very confident. Not necessarily bossy and abusive, but I was just very confident. And I would actually have these 
open discussions, even with my tutors. I had no notion of being backing down. I was a very confident individual, yet I was the one with all these um, so-called so, so disadvantages and so forth. Right. So I went on this path thinking, okay, why did I do a different, why am I different? And I, I started re- looking into psychology success. Plus, now that I knew what issues I had, I was trying to compensate for looking for things. So I remember this is the turning point. It's funny how the universe works. So I went looking for a book by Tony Buzan on mind mapping and, uh, and or speed reading, something on those lines. I was doing a lot of research on, on neuroscience, on how your brain works and how, you know, I'm different as a dyslexic and how, what my advantages, disadvantages, et cetera. And I picked up a book by Tony Robbins. Now, keep in mind, up until this moment, there's no one in my area or, or all around me who is in, in familiar with the idea of person development. Like the person development is non, non-existent. Right. And this is in the 80s when person development was coming of age. It wasn't really as sure. well known as it is now. So in the, not this, no, it was in the 80s, it was the 90s, so, you know, not 10 years prior, but this is in the late 90s. So, you know, coming towards just in 1999, I think it was. Around that time, still person development, people knew about Tony Robbins. I didn't. I had no clue who he was. And it, he wasn't as well known or person development wasn't as big, a, a bigger phenomenon as it is now. So I went down the path of person development. So Tony Robbins became my first mentor. I, in terms of listening to him, I became a person development junkie. I then went on to Jim Rowan, Zig Ziglar, you name it. I became a sponge. So I was learning two things simultaneously. One hand, I was learning everything was to do with personal development, psychology of success, whatever it means to you, you know, whatever, whatever. And it gave me the first idea that I could have whatever I wanted. I could possibly, you know, I, I always knew that I was going to be very successful. It was, it was a non-issue. Like I am successful. I'm going to be successful. But to the level I could become successful, that was a whole, this whole new area opened up to me. So I became, I, I'd set the target for myself to become a millionaire before, before I'm 30. I hit that at 27. Nice. While giving, while giving birth to a baby. So, <laughs> to boot, right? Um, <laughs> we can do it all. <laughs> yeah, of course we can, right? You know? Um, so it's, it, that's the, that's where I was. So I was reading into um, personal, but it's never my thought to teach. It wasn't my idea to think of, you know, of becoming a mentor or coach. It wasn't something which was, it, for me, I didn't even know, I didn't even know that existed as a, as a career, to be honest. Like, you know, Tony Robbins was an anomaly. Everything else wasn't, yeah. it, wasn't it was just for yourself study. Anyway, long story short, I, 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 as Divine Synergy has different plans and different pathways for you. It's another conversation for another time. It's a bit of a long story. But anyway, through two, not one, two abusive marriages, I got to one point where I I never stopped studying um, personal development. But when I, I took a break from work um, after the birth of my daughter, and there was a reason for it, but I took, I took a break. But I took a break from law itself, and I was working in banking and finance, and I took a break, and I never went back after she was born. And during the time I was home, I studied intuitive life coaching. I studied, actually before that it was Reiki, before, and then oh, no, right. NLP, then Reiki, and then, and, and then intuitive life coaching. So I said all these modalities, again, not to teach, not to coach, but for myself, to improve myself. And I found that as I went through it, so NLP was something which I thought was great. And then I thought, but there's something more. There's something deeper. It seemed very superficial to me. Then I did Reiki and I thought, this is great, but there's something more. There's something more deeper. Then I came across EFT. I studied that, became a master of that. Then I thought, mm, this is great, but there's still something more. And then I, I came across intuitive life coaching and I thought, this is it. And then I developed my own modality of energy healing and I became a very powerful energy healer. Again, all of these things. And I was training, I was working with people. Pro bono. Like I'm very good at helping people with money. I figured that out because I'm, I'm, I've always been interested in money, 
And therefore I was helping people, but I wasn't charging them anything. It wasn't like, I was a, a, a really funny story. I was, a, I became a telephone psychic just so that I couldn't practice my telephone, my uh, psychic skills. So I would, you know, I was, I was very good at it. <laughs> um, but that, isn't that funny that that's the kind of thing I went because I was just practicing my craft, but the universe had different plans. So come, um, come to 2016, I found out my, my husband at the time was cheating on me. And at that time, I was totally mm. financially dependent on him. Mm. Um, that's another long conversation. We haven't got time for that now. But, um, but at that time, I was totally financially dependent on him. And when I left him, he played the financial card because he wanted to keep me. And listen to this. In Islam, in my, in my religion, I'm Muslim, men are allowed to have four wives. And this is widely known. They are. Yes. But one fact that they don't actually mention is, the first wife doesn't have to accept the second one. She can tell the husband to boot, go. So she has I like that. Yeah. <laughs> she does. Well, I can't tell you not to have a second wife, but I can tell you to sort off. Excuse my line. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right, girl. This is our rated show. <laughs> <laughs> so I can tell him to go bugger off. I don't need you anymore. Right. And that's exactly what I did. So when he came he will, then he said, well, the idea was, well, if you don't accept it, I'm not giving you any money. Right. So, and he's very manipulative and that's another story from another yeah. time too. It's very difficult to get him to pay. So he literally pulled the rug under my feet and my, had no money coming in from one moment to the other, I had no money coming in. Now wow. in the UK, we have, um, I'm, cause I do have property and I have income from the property rental income, even though when we were going through a divorce, I had access to nothing. Everything was blocked because we're going through a divorce. His list has put a block on everything. And so for that reason, I didn't have access to the property, didn't have access to that income, yet I was seen to have a rental income because that's one of the, those properties under my mm. name. And therefore, I'm not entitled to any income support. I was entitled to it. Oh, so wow. There came, so there came a point when I was, um, I think, sitting at my dining table, I had 137 pounds and 14 pounds, I know the exact amount of money that was coming to me every four weeks. And that's all I had to buy food for my kids, like wow. anything else. So when this happened, I mean, it was, it was quite traumatic and we worked through it. Again, I see everything as a blessing because it allowed me to, you know, to, to, to open up my gifts. And by the way, this three substitutional mastery was born during this time. This, wow. this, this, this whole, this whole strategy was born during this time. So I have no regrets or, or, or ill feelings about any aspect of my life. I think it was a complete blessing and it allowed me to build the character that I have today. So I am very grateful for, even for the horrible times that I went through with both, both abusive marriages. Anyway, so they got, they came a point when I had to go back to work. There was no way around it. I had to earn money myself. And I remember sitting and thinking, okay, I could do, I could go back to law. I could go back to banking and finance. And I didn't want to go into local because it wouldn't be enough money for me to make. It was just not enough money in, in, in like family law, which I've never done in my first sure. life, by the way. I've no interest in it. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I can go back to banking and finance, but I'd be, I'm out of, I've been out of the game by then time by, for nine years. I would have to start from scratch. And oh. I have to get a bloody job in the first place, right? And you know, mother, and I know, I know as much as we say it, I, I was thinking from a male, you know, employer's point of view, a, a woman who's a single mother to two children, two young children, right. starting back up in, in, in the banking and finance. And I knew the kind of demand that happened. And I could imagine him thinking, him or her thinking in the heads, um, you know, she probably ask for time off. The kids got fall right. ill or something goes wrong or something goes right. to school, she'll be running out. And if there's a transaction going ahead, because sometimes we do, because I know the kind of work I was involved in, would I just get up and leave or would I, you know, what would I do? Right. 
I could see these questions coming up in their mm-hmm. head and thinking, my God, what are my prospects of going back into, into law in the first place? However, there was something else. And I, there was another voice inside of me said, well, you have all these gifts. Why don't you, you know, you can help people. And I, I, have, a, I have a natural gift of helping people with money, especially money. And why don't you start charging? Why don't you ask people to pay for it? Oh. You know, why not become a coach? Yeah. Well, that's a novelty, isn't it? So, so in 2017, the decision was made that I was going to become a money mindset coach. Now, again, it was a decision made. Did it happen overnight? Hell no. So this decision was made at the beginning in 2017. And it took me a whole year before I had my first client. But in that year, I was able to go through and look at my own blocks. Like, you know, for example, I talk about toxic money. I figured out that I had toxic money and the reasons for it. And that's why I'm able to help people you know, with toxic money now. Um, I, I worked out, you know, the earliest money paradigm where, you know, I had manifested my mother's exact life. How did that happen? And if I can do this, how can I recreate it? But then that means I can help other people who are, you know, who are living the mother or dad's paradigm. Everything right. that I went through in that year allowed me to be who I am and teach. So that's why I say I'm, I'm very strong. Um, I'm adamant about this. Unlike other people out in, in, in the in the work, and there's plenty of us out there and as coaches now, especially more and more people come into my, my money mindset. I think I'm one of the few few rare, uh, rare people who actually lived it. And every concept I teach is not something that I've learned and regurgitated from a, from a book or a chapter. I've lived something and I've made a new um, you know, information about it. So I've got a new book coming out and I talk about laws of money. Every single law I've made it, you know, obviously there's, I've learned from other people, but I've implemented in my life. I've seen it apply practically. And therefore I'm able to talk about it from an authentic real way rather than me just, you know, repeating what somebody else said, like a parrot. Does it make sense? Right. Oh yes. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You do. Uh, there are a lot of coaches mm-hmm. out there that are coaching people to live their best life, to have their best money mindset, to live from abundance and not scarcity when them themselves did not have that experience. And exactly. there is kind of a, a, a kind of like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait, you're advising me to do that, but you didn't struggle with this at all. Um, so there is a, a level of authenticity that comes from your experience, which clearly led you to the success you're having today. I am. Um, I mean, I, and, I mean, I'm very, I'm very, very good at doing what I'm, as I say, I'm very good at my job. <laughs> I think it's fine. Brag girl, brag. I also think it's, you're modeling to your daughter yes. right now that you don't have to be in a shitty marriage. If he's, if you don't have to settle for that, if you want to be in law, you can be in law. If you want to not and start it and just say, you know what, this is not my jam. You're really modeling to her how to yeah. advocate for herself, which is phenomenal right that's exactly. really self-starter both yeah, i mean son, all of it my, my son too i think it's not just my daughter i do believe that i mean i've seen um i my second marriage was with i would say he's borderline narcissist so i've mm. seen it happen where my, my with my brother it was the other around his 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 ex-wife was a narcissist in the other way so i mean i think because of my my character i was able to come through it he pulled things still pulling through and i'm supporting yeah. him whereas like this, so this is why it's important both for my son and daughter to know that you need to value yourself and yeah. you need to be able to stand up and say, no, this is, you know, you should, you're crossing my boundaries. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. That's incredible. It's really, really important lesson that, you know, as women, we have to not only keep reminding ourselves, but mm. uh, to teach the younger generation coming Absolutely. up that you have to advocate for yourself um, and stand up for yourself. And I mean, you sound like you were born with this internal confidence that not a lot of people have. So you're like, 
you can do it. I love it. I love it. So when you, when you, you know, so now that you're in your money mindset coaching program, you work with clients, what are your clients feeling before they come to find you? And they're like, Oh, I need a coach. Like what, what feelings are they, you know, kind of like, Oh, what's the muck that they're in? It's, it's funny you say that. I mean, I, I hear this all the time. Oh my God, I was looking for you. I just need this. I've been asking for someone just like you because I don't talk about the BS. I go, I give it real. If you want to change your, um, you know, feelings about, um, if you want to change your bank account, you need to change your feelings when it comes to money. And I want you to unashamedly become friends with money. Most people come to me Either through it, it's always through the you know through the uh, the earliest money paradigm. It's usually the programming they receive from the parents or um, from social media and uh, not just social media, sure. the actual media. And actually, when we were growing up, the school, by the way, the, the books and everything else we read, like Rodal, whatever, the the programming that we receive generally uh, for the middle class and the and the lower middle class and so forth, not the upper class, by the way, they have a different they have a different set of oh, yeah. issues to deal with. I'm talking about the general, you know, people that who are middle class, you know, working and middle class people. They have these ideas and feelings about money that are given to them by their parents. Now, if you find that, you know, if you have to look at society in general, the working class, um, uh, the children of working class people generally tend to become working class. And the people and the, the children of uh, middle class generally tend to stay in that class. Why? Sure. Not because of the society's I mean, putting limitations on them. It's because of their own internal limitations. It's the programming they've received from their parents. And this yeah. is what you need to recognize. So there's two aspects to every individual. One is the programming they received from their primary caregivers, which is usually the parents, but can be their nannies, could be their grandparents, could be the foster parents, or it could be the step-parents either. It doesn't matter who it is, but the primary caregivers between the ages of zero to seven and to some extent teens and to some extent um, early adolescents as well. And so that's the social, that's the subconscious programming. Now add to that is based on your programming, the kind of life experiences you have, you have certain energy built up in your energy field and therefore you're attracting certain circumstances and certain people to you, which reinforce that teaching again and again. Hence you, for example, you had a, a, a financial trauma when your, you know, your father, were, you know, was, um, you know, when you were maybe at school and your father lost your job and you ended up losing your home. So that's a financial trauma. So that end of uh, that sense of loss may be replicating it time and time again by you maybe going into a job, losing your job in the 20s and maybe losing your car. And then that being repeated again in your early 30s when you are married and your husband cheating on you and you, you know, you're losing the home and everything else. And that repeating again when you're 50, when you're um, building this business, all of a sudden something happens, you lose your business and you go back into it and you keep repeating the pattern again and again so you've got two things to think uh, work out we have to work out where the trauma is coming from and uh, along with the earliest paradigm but also the repeated pattern so that would i would classify all of those as both a gold trauma and financial trauma so these are the traumas you need to go look at so even though i I'm, i deal with people's money people come to me because they want to make money but essentially what I do, I'm a healer. That's what I primarily am. Yeah. I heal their emotional traumas. And in and through that process, we're able to let go of these dark energies. And as their vibration naturally rises, they attract better opportunities, oh, circumstances and abundance. And yeah. for me, Carrie, I don't want you to have abundance just financially. As much as I love money, money is my best friend, by the way. We'll talk about that in the time. But, you know, money being your, you know, being your best friend and my money, but um, my money is called Michelle. I have a money avatar. <laughs> but so I love money. But um, as much as I love Michelle, um, my money avatar, 
I am fully aware that you are not here to just enjoy physical material goods. You need to enjoy the other aspects, which is abundance in your health, abundance in your relationships, abundance in your happiness and joy in general. And in that finite period of time that you are here on this planet, you want to go and enjoy aspects, all aspects of it, which by the way includes great sex, great food, great company, everything. You know, you don't need to be limited to one aspect. Enjoy everything. I love this. Yes, this is, I agree. Ask for it all, ladies. You deserve it. Um, This is incredible. Um, I think that's true. I've seen a lot of women, you know, growing up, we're not taken aside and said, okay, this is how you pay your taxes and this is how you invest in real estate. And no, we're told, you know, okay, do this work. You'll be fine. You'll get married. Um, You have kids. You don't need to work, you know, at a certain class level. But um, so it's so interesting to me that we are conditioned. We are programmed from a very early age on what to expect, um, mm-hmm. not to ask for too much and um, to be grateful, right? When yeah. really I was just like, oh no, this, there's something bigger and better out there and I'm going to go for it. Um, and I love that you had the confidence, but you're also, that confidence is spilling over into your community, your clients, your children, your every, anyone that's around. I mean, it's spilling into me right now. Like I'm so charged talking to you. It's, it's like, yeah, let's do this. Um, so tell me, what would you say are the three steps to cash flow mastery? What I'm dying to know your advice for this. Okay, awesome. So it's a it's a long process, but I'm gonna try and keep it as succinct as, as short as possible. So let's go through it. So the three steps uh, were born, as I mentioned earlier, this strategy was not something that I read in a book somewhere. It was born at the time when I was in dire situations. So it can be used by absolutely Every single person, doesn't matter, regardless of where they are in the financial means, great, good, bad, or awful, you can use it, you can apply it, okay? And I'm going to give you the methodology in terms of how in the, the percentages, so I'll come to that in, right at the end, that's, a step, that's step three. So let's work out what the first steps are. The step number one is I want you to get five bank accounts. Now, I say five bank accounts because I don't want you to have easy access to the money. But if you're disciplined enough, you can use five uh, five bags, uh, five um, envelopes, five boxes, five jars, you mm-hmm. name it, okay? But you have to be very strict and very disciplined when it comes to where you use the money for these, okay? So they, you need to get five basically bank accounts or five jars or envelopes. Then you're going to label it accordingly, okay? The very first one is me account. So in your case, Kerry, it'll be Carrie's account. In mine, it's Gold's account. In Jake's, it's Jake's account. It's gotcha. very, very important. The name has to be on the jar, on the bank account name, etc. Why? Because this is the money that's going to go in here and it's going to be, you're going to pay yourself first. So now this is something that I learned from Robert Kiyosaki years ago when I first read his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he talks about paying yourself first. And a lot of yeah. books talk about paying yourself first. Even as entrepreneurs, we don't do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is key you pay into this account first before you pay anybody else do anything else and this is two things one it's teaching your subconscious mind i matter i am worthy i am important and i value myself so and ejectively you're sending this message out to the universe universe i am worthy look i treat myself look i'm making myself a priority and secondly i have money because this money in here you're never going to spend never ever 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 going to spend yes when it builds up a certain amount you can put it into maybe a bond or something so something not very very risky but the money's there the money is there not for you to build on this is not a savings account this is not something a rain day account you never spend it 
The purpose behind this account is to for you to change your relationship with money. This, by the way, this three-step um, strategy encompasses both man-made laws and spiritual laws and marries them up perfectly so that they work for you. So that the 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 amount of money that you have allows you to attract better opportunities and more money too. This is why this strategy is so, so powerful. So you put money into this first account, which is under your name, carries account, goals account, okay? And you never spend it. Step number two, okay? Part of, so, no, sorry, not step two, account number two. The second account is fun account. Now, why? I picked up, and by the way, I picked up various things from various parts of my life and I just married them all together. So in my corporate career, I remember we went on these team building exercises, you know, this, you know, oh, we sure. away or yeah. we, we all, we're all familiar with them, right? Yeah. Why do these companies pay so much frigging money to send their employees away to go and build a raft or whatever? It's to have fun and build the team spirit. And guess what? When you are having fun, when you're actually in, in close proximity doing physical act- activity or physical, you know, physical sort of exercise or something and having fun and laughing and giggle and mixing with other people, you're releasing endomorphins in your brain and you're in your, and you're, in your, your, you know, you're in a happy fun state. And at the same time, you're interacting with these individuals, these neural um, you know, pathways and connections are made, which builds trust. Okay, the best way to actually build a relationship or rapport, someone's to have fun with them. Hence the team building exercises, okay? Someone could be a moron in the office, but you can end up having a very good fun with them in the, uh, the team building thing. And right. next thing you know, he's your best mate and you're having a great time in team meetings, right? That's the purpose behind it. This is a concept I use to build this relationship with, with money. This is a count that you use to have fun with money. Now, average person, when they think about money, they're like, oh, I've got the rent to pay. I've got the mortgage to pay. I've got the car rent to pay. I've got this to pay. I've got the super loan to pay. I've got my, you know, my credit sure. card to pay right? Gazillion things to pay and the frustration sets in. Do I have enough? Gosh, do I have enough pay to make make all the payments? Uh, am I falling short this month? You know, all this frustration, anger, and all of this directed towards money. Now flip it on his head. You have money in here, which is only going to be spent on you having fun and money. Yes, you can have other people with you. Like in my early days, I didn't have much. And by the way, I'm a real Bollywood and actually not just Bollywood. I'm just, Bollywood, just I'm a movie fan. I love going to the movies. I love going to the cinema. I would I take my so kids. Much. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, don't I just? Oh my god. So I would take my kids, and we would go off um, to the movies. And early days, I didn't even have the money to find nachos or something. So I would just smuggle some, you know, some uh, yeah. <laughs> some, some stuff in my bag and take it with me for them, right? But it was for me, it was just pure escapism. I loved it. My kids loved it. We loved the movies. And even though we couldn't go every week, we would look forward to it. Like, oh, the, month, the money's building up. We're going to go this weekend. We're going to have to do this. We're going to yeah. watch that movie. We're going to have so much fun. So we're doing two things. We're anticipating going. So we're already enjoying the, the you know, whatever activity we're going to do and building a positive relationship with money because of it, because we're already having fun with money. And secondly, when we actually go, we're building memories. And thirdly, when we remember, oh, we went, we had watched the Star Wars movies. It was so awesome. I remember one, one thing, one of the Star Wars movies came out and I'm a big Star Wars fan. Oh, we did this and did that. And my kids still remember it. I remember this one particular movie, this Bollywood movie came out. We were the only ones in the bloody cinema. It was probably a rubbish movie, but we loved it. And because we're the only ones in the cinemas, and as soon as the songs came on, we all three of us were dancing in the cinema hall because nobody else was watching, right? Love it. Memories you build. And so you've had fun. Now, whatever fun means for you, you know, whatever it is for you, you've got that memory built and you're having fun threefold. Anticipation, action, and action remembering, okay? All three ways. And as you're doing it, guess what? Instead of now thinking, oh, God, I've got the bill to pay. You're like, oh, I've got money coming this week. I was going to go in that part and we're going to go and do X, Y, and Z. We're right. changing how you see and feel and actually think about money. 
Really important. Okay. That's why number two is very important. Okay. By the way, the order is very important too. Number three is large purchases. Now, every time you get a credit card, um, you know, every time I would say this, you know, if, how many times do you think you pay for, um, if you buy a, um, your phone on a credit card, how many times do you pay for it? Not just the once. You pay for it every single time you see the frigging, you know, the credit card statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time you see the bill, I'm like, oh, seriously, so got that much left? Really? Oh my gosh, why did they bother doing it? Why did they just wait? Blah, 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 right? Flip it on its head. So now if you put money in the account and you delay, it's called delayed gratification, mm-hmm. concept we're all very familiar with, not something we practice very often before. Through this methodology, you start, one, realizing, oh, you know what? I'm going to put money here. I'm going to get the phone. I'm going to really enjoy it. So again, same principles. You look in the bank and you're, oh my God, I've got this much. I've got 50, you know, I've got 400 pounds now. I need another couple of hundred pounds and I can go buy my car or my, my phone. Even before you go and buy the phone, the very fact that you're having this money, you feel proud of yourself. You're connecting with the money and you have money. I am keep saying this. You have money. And then if you think, oh, wow, you know, I'm going to enjoy it. You enjoy the phone before you buy it. Then you go and buy it and you have the money and you feel really good and you feel really expanded. And then when you look back, you, you know, you're like, you know what? I did really well. I'm really proud of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of myself. This delayed gratification pays you in dividends in so many ways. And the, as, as the way, the other way is, you know, with, with credit card, it taxes you many ways, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. We flip it on its head. So the number third one is large purchases. Okay. Love that. The fourth account is, is charity. Now for me, charity mm-hmm. is anyone and everyone, everything goes. I'm not, I don't believe in tithing to any particular, you know, religious, um, you know, uh, uh, religious inst- um, institute or anything. You can give it to the church. You can give it to the mosque. You can give it to the synagogue if you choose. But my only, I have two conditions when it comes to charity. One, it has to be absolutely unconditional. Do you know one thing that I hear so often, and this is across all religions, I mean, um, Carrie, it's so funny. You give one pound for God, God gives you 10. Why the hell do I want 10 pounds from God, right? I can give one to God, right? Because that's all I can bloody afford. He can give me millions, or even billions. Let him give me billions. Why do I want to barter with God? Stop bartering with God. Seriously, yeah. stop it, right? So. How is unconditional. You're giving because you can give and yeah. you have given and you can only give what you have. So this is training your mind to think, one, I have money. Two, I have surplus money. I'm able to give away. That's how much money I have. And thirdly, you're giving to the universe and universe does not like debt. God does not right. like debt. So God would repay you, but you don't put limitations on it. Give me 10 in return. Give me 20 in return. Hell no. Give me whatever you can. Give me, bring yeah. it on, right? But I'm not giving it to you because you're going to give it to me. I'm giving it to you because I have it. And then if you want to bring good to me, I'm, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to be open and humble and receive it. But I'm not going to say, well, I'm giving this to you. Make sure you, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. It doesn't work that way. Okay? Right. This human ideology is really, really limited. Break free from that. Give it unconditionally. That's the first condition. Second one, I need you to, you know, so you can, you can, by the way, so you can give it to anybody. You can give it to your mother, your father, your brother, your neighbor, your, um, you know, any, any charity, if you like cats or dogs or, or dolphins, right. any, anything does, right? It doesn't matter who the charity is. And this includes family as well. Okay. My only, the second condition is keep it as discreet as possible. If you give it to your brother, if you give it to your neighbor, if you give it to your uncle or someone, don't publicize it don't mention it don't bring it up because if you do you negate the whole process so sure one it has to be discreet and two it has to be unconditional no strings attached and uh, you know the ultimate unconditional even to your mind so it may be the person you're helping ends up stabbing you in the back it's okay right 
Yeah, because you're not expecting good from that individual. You're doing it because you can, and you allow the universe to bring to you whatever. And this also means, by the way, if someone's asking you for money and you do you don't feel alignment to give to them, you can say no. You know, I don't feel aligned to do that. And I yeah, do that all the time. In that. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, you know, I there's people I would help. And there are other people, you know, I think my somebody was telling me about this an individual who needs help. It doesn't resonate with me. It just didn't resonate with me. It just didn't. And then later on, found out that the person doesn't really need help anyway. So that's what, you know, I'm saying. Trust your intuition, right? Yeah. Yeah, I am a psychic. (laughs) 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 But anyway, jokes apart. So that's um, account number four, which is debt. Okay. Account number five is absolutely brilliant too. And that is debt um, slash investments. Now you can do two things. If you have too much debt and you're really frustrating and stressed about it, my recommendation is pay off all your debt first. However, to be more sensible and the better version would be split this fifth account into two parts. One part, you pay off your debt extra. So by the way, this will be in addition to your regular monthly payments to whatever your credit card statement is or whatever loans payments you have. This is right. in addition to that. And the other half, I want you to put into investment. Now, why? When, what do you think of it, Carrie? When you think of investors, what comes to your mind? Investors, uh, well, the first thing that comes to my mind is real estate, like buying your first home, buying, you know, maybe commercial property. That's what I immediately yeah. think of so, when so I think what, investing. So what kind of people invest? Oh, old white men. Okay. Okay. So, um, <laughs> we can, yeah. so uh, basically old white men, but people who are wealthy, right? That's yes. basically mm-hmm. right? Yes. people who are wealthy. That was the point behind it. Regardless yeah. of the old or white. <laughs> the point is it's wealthy people, right? Your idea yes. of investor mm-hmm. is a wealthy person, right? Mm-hmm. Now look what we just did. In a split second, this account makes your is your investing account. You are now an investor and you can, we are so blessed to be in this day and age. You can take $50 and put it into Bitcoin and you're an investor. Seriously, yeah. you are, mm-hmm. right? So you have now equated yourself to an investor, a label that in your mind is only given to people who are wealthy. Guess what you just did? You elevated your status in your mind to that of a wealthy person. Can you see how powerful that is? Yeah. Labels are powerful and you've labeled yourself as a wealthy person indirectly through, through an investor, but you have. And this is powerful. Okay. This is why this strategy works so well, both with practical steps and actually the you know, spiritual laws. So that's step number two, labeling the five labels. And I told you what Love you do it. them. And in, in, in terms of spending, by the way, so the question's asked, apart from the first account, you don't spend. Everyone, all the other four, you have discretion to spend as and when you like. It's up to you when you spend it, when you take it out, what you want to do. And so it's entirely up to you. But the first one, you never, ever, ever, ever spend. Okay. Because the purpose behind it is not to make you money. It's to actually change your change relationship your with money. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there we are. So that's the five accounts. And the step number three is how much money you add to each of these accounts. Yeah. So like I said before, every account you pay the the first account first, then the second and the third and the fourth and fifth before you do anything. So for example, say on a, on a, for argument's sake, you receive a hundred pounds a week. That's the money you're making. So every week when you get a hundred pounds, you're going to put one process week, this three tier system for the, for those people who are struggling, who are absolutely struggling. They go, I haven't got the money for food this week. I really don't have it. I, yeah. I, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. I really don't know how I'm going to make the ends meet. For those people who are really struggling, I want you to take 1% from the £100 you receive and put it into each of these five bank accounts. Now, okay. if you tell me, I really can't do 1% either, no problem. doesn't matter. Start with half a percent. Half yeah. a percent goes into each of these. I can't do half a percent. doesn't matter. Start with a quarter percent. 
But percentage is essential because if you implement the strategy and, and if you do it correctly, the way I'm telling you, I promise you, you will have start having and receiving more money. And as you receive more money, don't get hung up on just putting $1 in, put in the percentage and start increasing from the quarter percent to half percent to, you know, maybe three quarters one, percent, yeah. to one percent, right? Go with the percentage, increase the percentage amount and the amount of, you know, obviously, obviously that would also increase the, the amount of money you put into each of these five banking accounts as well. So start with the, start with 1%. So assuming you start with 1%, You'd put $1 in each of these five bank accounts first. That'll leave you with $95 to spend on everything else, all your bills and normal stuff. Now, will this make you uncomfortable? Hell yeah. But I promise you are already spending money on fun. You're just feeling guilty about it afterwards, not allocating it um, properly at the moment. Are you spending money on your, um, you know, so you probably have credit card bills if you've used credit cards. You're already spending money on, on other rubbish. See where your money's leaking out from reassess your um you know do money manager uh, do 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 um an oh, assessment yeah. really yeah, yeah. yeah assessment of where your money's money. being yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and see where you can save a few dollars here and there and that would allow you to put the one percent in each of these five banking accounts i promise you when you make a decision i'm going to do it you'll find ways and you'll start opening up the channels to receive more money as well which means it'll be easier for you to put uses i've had a number of clients have done this i promise you and one of the examples that comes to my mind is a single mother in the philippines and Bear in mind that with that lady, um, the average wage of 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 of, of, of uh, Filipino people is two hundred dollars a month. Okay, two hundred dollars a month. So being a single mother, she will you know she's working there. Yes, she's set up an online business and she worked through and she's doing better, but she's still not doing like phenomenal like you and I. But she was able to implement the strategy and she started off with, I think, about half a percent or something to, to the point where uh, eventually I'll tell you tier three. And now she's become an investor. She's actually investing in Forex and so forth. So this is a phenomenal story. I know it works. Right. There are other stories as well, but then that was a, the most profound one that I can think of. Yeah. A single mother in the Philippines with a child, right? So, so that this strategy works. So that's tier one. Now, tier one is from one to three percent. Tier two is something who are called, you know, people who are maintaining. So, so you have money coming in and you're able to pay your bills, but nothing extra. And if the, if the boiler breaks down, if the car breaks down, you're like, oh, shoot, mm. what do I do? And you, you, you approach your credit card and whatever. So you're maintaining, yeah. but you're always on the edge. Okay. If it's that, if that's you, you start with three to 5%. Okay. So 3% goes into each of these five banking accounts. So using the hundred dollar example again, $3 in each would give $15 into each of these five banking accounts. It leaves you with $85 for the rest of your expenses. Again, the same thing. You will have to assess your, you know, your expenditure, see where the money's going out, see where it's leaking out. Because a lot of the time money's leaking out. See where the money's leaking out and you can allocate it. Okay. And, um, you know, and, and, and by the way, even for, even if you're able to start off with, uh, with, um, with 3%, I would say, to, because it's a habit, this is a muscle that you're building, start with half a percent or 1% for three months and then go up to build it up slowly up to 3%. So you can start with 1%, go one and a half, then two, two and a half, and then mm-hmm. eventually three. And that's what you should be, right? So you can always, always build it up, but always stick to a percentage, not an amount. This is very, very important. It's key because money will start coming to you. And even if you get random money, like, you know, I don't know, your aunt leaves you a gift of a thousand pounds or something or thousand dollars same way split it in mm-hmm. the same exact same way right so that's that now um the third tier is for everybody you should be aiming to go to and that's why i call the comfortable tier this is where people who are comfortable they're not wealthy but they're comfortable they have some sure. savings and they, you know they have you know, maybe have some debts as well but they're comfortable they're okay 
For those people, you want to be taking five to ten percent into each of these five bank accounts, and um, and and you know, obviously the rest is going to be for everything else. So using the hundred dollar example again, five dollars into each of the five bank accounts. That means twenty five dollars for these five bank accounts. That leaves you with seventy five dollars for the rest of the expenditure. Now for those people too, there will be some adjustments. They'll have to look at their expenses too and and adjust accordingly. But still, it's doable and it's absolutely doable. And then for those people. Start with one again, because again, I want you to actually implement the strategy, not just be scared and run off with them because of it and slowly build it up to, you know, one and a half, two, three, four, five. And then when you start hitting five, you will start attracting more opportunities and money will start coming to you. Then you can slowly increase to five and a half, six, six and a half, you know, et cetera. The lady I just told you about, she's now at 10%, which is the aim of this um, particular strategy. And that's, that's, the, that's the three subscription you. I love that. Um, that's incredible. I'm, I'm mentally taking all these notes. I was like, well, where are my five jars? <laughs> so I love that. Let me ask you, when you talked about m- money's being leaked away, um, I found, you know, one day I was like, I was unsubscribing from everything. I had an account with Spotify. I had an account with that were like $3.99 a month, $4.99 a month. And I just spent like hours just unsubscribing. By the end of the day, I had saved about $185 Wow! because I had unsubscribed from all these little things. And I felt like, like how you described it, I was just leaking all this money. Mm -hmm. Um, Where do you see your clients? Where is their money leaking? Is it things like that, that they have to kind of end those relationships or is it like interest rates on credit cards? Like where's money being leaked out? See, I don't, I don't go into the leakage side of it. I'm not really focused. That's too, that's, that's too micro thing and money management. I don't teach about that. I, I'm more concerned with, okay, you need to go figure that out or go hire an expert who can help you you figure that bit out. Sure. Come to me and let's figure out the broader picture, which is like, okay, fine. You want to make what my money? I'm not concerned with that saving. Honestly, it's not, this is a way to manage your money and for you to attract your money. I, it's not about saving money. I'm not about saving. I rather, for example, I'll give an example. My brother was talking to me about, you know, buying a car and he was saying how his approach is to buy a car and whatever you own it. And I'm thinking, dude, I want to just, you know, lease it. And he said, well, you, you'll fork out extra money. And then I explained to him and I'll tell you why my thinking is, Instead of me spending at 50, 60K buying a car, I'll spend 2K a month leasing a car and the 50K that I'm going to buy, spend to buy the damn car, I'll take 48K, put it in an investment and I'm a Forex investor, put it in investment six months down the line, I've got 150K minimum, most likely about 300K. Why would I do that? Like I can, I can five times my income. That's the way I think. So I, my approach to my clients is don't focus on the nitty gritty. Don't be a penny pincher. Okay. I want you to manage your money well. I want you to really, really treat it with respect. Like I say, I respect Michelle a lot. Michelle's my money avatar. I respect her a lot. I don't want her to just throw her anywhere. So I do look after my money, but I'm not saying the penny pinching thing. Okay. Let me wear save a penny from here because I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in, okay, say, I want to have 10 million in banking accounts. How can I approach it? How can I make it? What can I do to make it? That's the kind of thinking that I, I instill in my clients thinking, okay, Manage the money that you already have, but focus right. not on what you have, what you want to go. Where is it that you want to be? Where, what kind of money do you want to be making on a monthly basis? Let's aim for that. And I don't give them strategies because I think every person who comes to me already has the strategies, always has the know-how. They know the business tip. They know how to do, build the Instagram account. They know how to build the frigging YouTube account. I'm not an expert in them. I'm pretty crap at those things myself. <laughs> what, what they need to do is get out their own way. Yeah. Allow energy to flow through them in a way that's most productive for their energy, for their wealth, for their business, for their for their own selves. 
and allow people, even if they're not experts, they can attract the right, you know, social media manager to come in and build an Instagram account. Right. Or <laughs> so forth. So it's that kind of if thinking. Does it make sense that I, I sort of yes. like, focus on money and don't focus on, you know, saving the hundred. Let's think if you want to save a hundred, forget the hundred. Let's see how we can make a thousand. Right. Right. I love Michelle. I think that's a great name for your avatar. (laughs) Now, how do clients work with you if they're like ready to change their mindset? Is it a group coaching? Is it one-on-one? Tell me about your programs. I I used to do one-to-one. My one-to-one intake is really rare now, purely because coaching is just one part of my business. I am a, I do so much at the moment. I'm I'm a, I'm a forex trader. I've gone into crypto recently, so I, I'm heavily involved in crypto now, and I'm a property investor. So the, my other businesses take me quite a, you know quite a lot of my time. Plus, I'm a full time mommy. Like right. my first role is a mommy, right? That's especially with the homeschooling rubbish. Oh my goodness, I'm so ready. Oh to my gosh, girl, <laughs> so ready <laughs> to go. Honestly, we 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 go back on the eighth of March. There's light to the end of the tunnel here at the moment. <laughs> So um, I don't have much time. So for that reason, I am, it's very rare for me to take on a one-to-one client. And, and I'm, I'm all about results. So if I take a one-to-one client, I will not take it for less than six months. So it's, it's, a, it's a long process, application process for someone to come and work with you. You have to be bloody ready to work and do right. the work. I'm, I'm, I'm very like I'm, I'm very results-oriented. I want you to get the results. I want you to get the multi-millions if you want to come and work with me. So the, the, most people actually come and work with me two ways they have i have my my um diy programs so, you know programs you do yourself oh, great. With yeah coaching and that's millionaire foundations i am actually making a currently in the process of production actually i'm making a program on mindset around trading i'm a, I'm a professional trader especially forex traders so and i see this there's a big gap in the market that people don't actually have the rights of mindset when it comes to they have the strategies but they don't have the mindset for trading so i'm currently making that so that will be available at some point I'm Amazing. writing a book, by the way. So I'm writing a book. My book's Amazing. Coming That's coming out. Um, I, I don't know when this is going to be aired, but my book is coming out at the end of March, beginning of April. We haven't got the exact launch date yet. And so, but the best place to work with me, if you want to get everything I'm talking about, is in my mastermind. And gotcha. that is where you book has the, in order for you to come into the mastermind, you have to book a call with me, which costs four ninety nine. So it's five hundred pound call. Um, and people say, "Well, you have to book a call." Yeah, because my time is valuable. If you want to, yeah. Hear, what I'm going to have to tell you. And I, I don't, I don't, as you've probably figured out from today's uh, conversation, I don't beat about the bush. I'm, I'm not, I'm nothing to do with BS. When people come on this call, I assess them and I assess them whether they're suitable for the mastermind. And the way I assess them is I take them through what's called a full money blocks analysis call. I go from the, from where they are, where they want to go. And we work out exactly what's blocking them. And I get, I, I get for myself actually, and I give it to them as well, a full blueprint of what exactly is holding them back. That's the first point. And secondly, whether they are ready. So a lot of people say they're ready to do work on the mindset. They're not. How right. people are and so therefore it's, I assess them to see, okay, I can help them. And most people I can help. Very few people I found that I can't help, but whether I say yes or no to them to come for them to come into the mastermind is whether they're ready and carry a lot of people are not ready. They're so married right. to the stories. They're so married to who they are, where they are. They just don't want to budge. They don't want to move forward. So when I ask them how committed they are, they'll say, I'm a seven. I'm like, why aren't you a 10? Um, because I don't think I'm okay. Fine. Um, yeah, that's great, but I can't work with you. Right. And so I, I, I need people who are committed. So therefore I would say, this is, these are the, your blocks and these are your issues. And this is where the value of the call comes in that, you know, okay, fine. This is the issues I have. Fine. I'm going to go through them. We'll go through them. I can help you with this, this, and this. And then I sit back and I look at them and see, 
are they willing to do the work? Because if you come to work with me in the mastermind, it's a 12-month mastermind, you're bloody well going to work. You're going to cry. And I'm going to make you cry. And I, I, I take pride in that. I make my clients cry. Why? Because I wouldn't do my job if I if you're not crying. If you're not moving your emotions, then what's the bloody point of me doing my job? I, I, I can easily take your money and not give you results. This is why, you know, we have, um, I'm so, so blessed. My mastermind has, I think, 95% completion rate because there are a couple of people, I have to be honest, who, who don't do the work eventually. I, I can get things wrong as well. And, um, and most people have got a phenomenal results. As we get story after story after story after story, and you think you probably think there are about hundreds of people in a mastermind. There aren't. I'm very picky about people coming in. And so there's a limited number in there, but most people get phenomenal results. And it seems like every other person's got all these phenomenal stories coming out. Why? Because I kick your butt. You're going to do the work. And most people want to be like, oh, airy fairy, we're going to sit here and say these affirmations. I'm like, to hell with that. We don't, that comes later. Let's work on this first. Let's work out what's blocking you. If you, yeah. and one of the things people want to shy away from is abuse. So I'm all about and being very open about it sexual abuse, verbal abuse, um, mm-hmm. social abuse, um, being bullied, financial bullied, abuse, yeah. any mm-hmm. kind of thing that you have suffered will impact your finances. And I bring it to their attention. Like this happened. This is why this is happening. And sometimes people are bullied by their parents, their mothers, their fathers, brothers. Um, Sexual abuse is a major, major, major reason why a lot of people are held back in finances. They make make lots of money, but they can't keep it. Why? Because they're not allowed to have social um, and financial security. Why? Because this switch has flipped. In their mind, when you are abused, especially sexually abused as a young child, as a young child, or raped as an adult, by the way, you can be raped as an adult, has a similar sort of impact, but as a child, it has a bit more. Your switch about safety flips. So it's now comfortable to be uncomfortable. It's comfortable for you to be not safe. And therefore, if you're comfortable being not safe, you will never allow yourself to have savings. Point blank. Right. Doesn't matter what strategy plan you put into place. That's too safe. You will find, yeah. Yeah. Because fine, at the end of the day, money in the form of savings is just financial security, right? Mm-hmm. So you will find a way to get rid of it. And you think, I'm not a spendthrift. I don't know where the money went. I had this pot and it goes. I, you know, all these expenses come because your subconscious mind is very small. It'll find, figure a way out to get rid of the money. Things, oh, danger, money pots baking up. Let's find a way to make you, let's crash the car. Oh, let's bust the boiler. Or let's do this. Or let's do that. And oh, let's, let's if nothing else works, oh, yeah. let's mm-hmm. make her ill for two months. Okay. So she's sitting home <laughs> working make for two her months. Sick. Yeah. So she can't earn any money. <laughs> yeah. It sounds funny, but this is what happens. And I, when I pull the curtains back and I sort of relay it, people are like, oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, that's, and this is what you need to face. Now, people are people you know they, they want to dilly dally a lot of the times and not the people come to work with me but the average person they want to dilly dally and say somebody to give them a magic pill or something to say things work yeah. no it doesn't work that way you have to face it deep as dark as demons and then things change and this is the question i ask on, my, on these courses are you ready to face it deep as dark as demons because i'll bring them to you i'll bring them to right. you if you're not willing to do that then i'm not ready to work with you at the moment Point. I mean, those demons are going to come out, so you got to be of ready course, to face them and tame them. Yeah, yeah. 100%. They're, they're going to come out as sooner or later. If not, they're already out. They're already playing. Right. Having, a lot of the time, they're already playing havoc with your, your finances anyway. You're mm-hmm. just you know oblivious to them. You don't know they exist. I just bring your awareness to them, and you have to yeah. deal with them. Well, you get comfortable with them, right? You get used to them. Like You get uh, comfortable they're... being uncomfortable. Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. yeah. percent. Oh my gosh. So this is so, so, so great. So many great 
um, nuggets of wisdom. We're going to put in the show notes, the, the link to the book, the link to the mastermind, the link to all your socials. So we can keep tabs on what you're doing. This is phenomenal. Um, but before we go, I, I want to get carried away with you. That's how we always wrap it up. Now I know we've been stuck in this pandemic and you've got two kids homeschooling them. So do I, but how have you guys stayed entertained? Um, um, how are you listening to podcasts? Are you watching movies? Like what's been going on in your home life to keep everyone sane? Um, <laughs> are you cooking? Everybody's oh my cooking, gosh. but all I'm doing is eating. <laughs> yeah. See, I hate cooking. I have to Me say this. Too. I hate the damn kitchen, right? So, but I, I, I'm a very fussy eater. So then that's the reason why I'm in the kitchen cooking. But recently my brother, I've been quite fortunate. My, my brother has developed this obsession with cooking. So he's been popping over <laughs> to cook. Perfect. That's a great brother. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, dude, get carry and come back and come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay, how we? I think the like I said, I'm a big, big movies person. I, I love, I love yeah. movies, and I love all genres. By the way, I like horror, not very strong horror. It's just that bugs me. But you know, mm-hmm. moderate horror. I like romance. I like comedy. I like action. I really love action. I'm a really you know those action movies where you can switch your brain. Like off Mission Impossible. Are you kidding? Yeah. I- yeah, yeah, Mission Impossible, the, the, the Fast and the Furious. I'm a, I'm, a yes, very, I'm, yes. I'm a Cars girl, so I love Cars. And, you know, Vin Diesel, of course, you know. Yeah, can well, he's not I too can. bad. Yeah, exactly. So uh, those sort of movies, I mean, and Star Wars as well. So uh, we've, we've done, watched a lot of movies. And my and my and I've, I've got I've watched about teenage stuff because my daughter watches it. So I don't stop my daughter from watching all this rubbish stuff. And, like, she watches Star Wars, the Bridgerton as well. Because I don't think it's, I, I don't like controlling my child. I don't, you know, she's, she's turning 14. So I don't like controlling what she watches. It's, I think that's too um, uh, abrasive as a parent. So I watch it with her. <laughs> so I sit there watching the damn thing. And I tell you, the, 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 the most stupidest storyline, the worst storyline ever, you get hooked. You're like, what is this? <laughs> and I remember this, one of the programs she watched, which was um, Dynasty, right? Oh, yeah. I was thinking, where is this, right? What the <laughs> hell this is? And I, I, I watched it just purely because she was watching it and just to keep her company. And I'm pulling my hair out. So I've been doing that, pulling my hair out, which what the hell is rubbish, right? Why? This can't even be TV. This shouldn't be allowed on the damn TV. But anyway, <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. <laughs> pulling my hair out, watching crappy TV programs. Watching crappy TV. Well, we have been watching a lot of, my daughter's a little bit younger. We've been watching high school musical we've been watching oh, we've, been through, that. we've been through that yeah we've been no. watching the oc and all, all the things i'm like okay i can predict this but it's fine um it's fine you know and uh, my son is younger and so we've watched every harry potter every star wars every oh, major we, we do we did that too i mean i, I think, right I think, through this yeah i think I, I think my taste is similar to my son so you know i love harry potter myself actually i'm a bit of a freak like that um, Me so, too. you know, Harry Potter, Star Wars, I love those. Do you know what? Actually, I went to the last movie that came out for, for Star Wars and I was sitting there crying like, this is an end of, a, you know, of an era yeah. for me, you know. <laughs> but it's totally. been going on for 40 years and I'm 43. So I'm like, my whole life has this, I've got a story of movie that's yeah. come out every aspect of my life. So, yeah, it's it was my life, like 40 years of my life. Yeah. So, what, what's, uh, what's your house? What house are you in now? Hogwarts. Do you know? Have you taken the I, test? 
I my daughter has. So she, I think she put me on uh, Gandalf. I think I think I'm in Gandalf. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know um, how. I, I thought I, I thought you know uh, I, I was just really pleased I wasn't in Slytherin. <laughs> right. I'm Ravenclaw, so oh. I was in House of Ravenclaw. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but um, we're I more think, logical. I think she's, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's in Ravenclaw. I'm in Gandalf. I'm like, how does yeah. that figure out? But apparently, yeah, yeah, she took it on my behalf. So I'm not sure how accurate that is, but apparently, well, that's loyal, behalf. right? Yeah. People in that house are very loyal yeah Ravenclaws so, are yeah. more logical yeah. um that's my right <laughs> yeah more logical than um well I love that now the last my last question is always what is two or three things that you can't wrap your head around but people are completely obsessed get very carried away about it I know for me I the idea of being on a cruise ship sounds terrifying I don't want to be on a cruise ever and I can't stand tomatoes don't like tomatoes at all that's me. What about you? What can't you stand that people just love? <laughs> I think, again, I think off camera, we're talking about TV programs that other people yeah. are absolutely loving, like, um, you know, Game of Thrones. I, yeah. I, what's up with that? Like, what was the big deal? I really couldn't get in my head around it. So things like that. Um, another one is um, my, which my son, which I'm still trying to figure out. What is his fascination? Maybe that's just a maybe little boy or male brain sort of thing. My brother loves uh, uh, games and, you know, game stations and games and PlayStation 4 and 5 and whatever. What is up with that? I don't know that either. I go and I look at them and all the things is, you know, shooting, whatever. I'm like, what the, what? What's the fascination? And then they made it so 3D, they can talk with the friends on the whatever and they can do it. I'm like, what is this? So I have to say, I don't know. Maybe that's just a male thing. Maybe there are girls who play, love to play too. So I don't know. I can't get my head around this whole, you know, this new 3D world of, of, you know, Oculus and yeah. yeah and they, they wear the thing and like, I, I don't yeah. get video games either. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like puzzles, I, yeah, but I don't we, like. I grew up on video games. as told you, we had the, you know, we had Tycoon and we had all those stuff, you know, like oh, Sega was, PlayStation yeah, yeah. and the Nintendo 64. I had it too. I saw a little Mario going across. Doot, doot, doot. But, but I, don't, I, I, don't I don't understand the modern stuff. I think I, that, I, that look, I think that's just too violent for my, for my liking. Yeah. So much pressure. Like I'm trying. Like, like it's also video games. Now you're playing with people all around the world. All around the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so, um, well, thank you so much, Gal. This has been so, so informative. My audience is going to love this. Um, we we've learned so much from having you. I'm so glad you reached out to be a guest and to get carried away with me. Um, any closing thoughts you want to give uh, to my audience about money mindset, any advice? My one and only advice to every single person listening is change your relationship with money, make money your best friend. Don't run after it. Don't have greed for it. Don't have need for it. If you've noticed, I've talked about money as my best friend. I've even given her name, Michelle, right? I treat money with the utmost respect. And I openly say I love money, but not, there was not a hint of greed or need in my voice or energy towards money. I have not. Right. I know my, there's an ever flow of money. I know Michelle has to go every now and again, and she does a lot of times. You know, I don't, I don't see her for, for maybe some weeks at times, but she comes back and she's going to visit and she's always got my back. That's what your best friend's there for. And that's what money's there for. Money's there to look after you. Don't abuse money. Money's not a tool. Money is your best friend. Treat it like a best friend. Give it the respect your best friend deserves and see how it treats you. Love that. Oh, thank you so much. This has been great having you. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. I hope you learned something new. 
Now, if you are a female founder, thought leader, disruptor, and you're like, I can be on that show, then you need to email me with some topics. Email me directly, carrie at bra-network.com or send me a DM on the IG at bra underscore network. I'm always looking for fabulous, fierce females to feature. And hey, if you're a guy, I'll feature you too, because we all have knowledge to share. Until then, thank you for getting carried away. Go ahead and like and subscribe to all the things and all the places. Until next time, have a great day. Stay safe. Wear a mask.